Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion broadcast live on LinkedIn and available for download from all the best podcast sites. As ever, Business Unmuted is sponsored by Virtue BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. If you're in the market for a new used or fleet vehicle, its dealerships are in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Malton or York. I'm pleased to welcome to the studio today Martin Anderson, CEO and founder of Lemon Business Solutions, Ashley Fennick, Sales Manager at My Property Box, and down the line we have David Moore, CEO of the British Constructional Steelwork Association. ONS data out today shows inflation ended 2021 in a significant upward trend, re reaching 5.4%, the highest since March 1992. Mortgage lender Halifax has revealed that house prices in the UK rose at a faster rate in 2021 than any year since 2004, just a touch under 10%. And employment figures show a contrast between different northern regions, a contrast between the northeast that has the highest rate of unemployment in the UK, just over 5%, 5.7%, and Yorkshire, the lowest rates. And with Covid restrictions coming to an end and political uncertainty, there's lots to talk about this week. Let's start with you, Ashley, and Covid. We've got a, a big announcement from the Prime Minister as we are on air today, Wednesday, uh, which is that in the next week, basically all the Plan B restrictions are finishing, even masks in shops uh, by the 27th of January. What was your thought on that? I think it's a good thing. I think we have to start living with this thing. You know, so we've got to get back to a, a bit of normality. And yeah, I think it's a great thing. Working from home is going to be coming to an end. We're going to start getting offices back to the levels that they were before. So definitely, yeah, good thing. I, I'm up for that answer. I noticed I had a business meeting today which had about uh, 12 people invited. And um, around the table for breakfast, everyone lateral flow tested to come in. Three people cried off a quarter of them with COVID, right. uh, albeit though the Omicron variant isn't as severe no. as Delta, but I'm with you on that one. What do you think, Martin? Yeah, absolutely the same. We've all been waiting for it, haven't we? And uh, you know, speaking to, to the team in my office, everyone I speak to, they're saying the same thing, we're done with it now. We want to get on with our normal life, we want to get on with business. It's a new year, it's a new start. We mm. really want to push ahead and these restrictions need, need to move aside if the data's there telling us they're not required, they need to go. So yeah, I'm more than happy for them to, to be and we are recording this and broadcasting this from England. Do mm. you think that, uh, despite all the political uh, shenanigans that are going on uh, about parties, do you think that Boris Johnson and the government called it right before Christmas, or do you think they were over, uh, over or under cautious? I'm personally happy with how it went. I, I, they possibly were slightly over cautious, but I, I don't blame them for taking that tack because better to have done that than to have found themselves in a, in a worse situation. And I think they've proven now where we are is the right place wide internationally you know we're in a bit of a bubble i think in the uk and england mm. we're in quite a good place now but traveling might still be difficult and when we move out the uk into europe or, or wider field there's going to be challenges there but i'm really pleased that we're going to go into into the end of january into february into this new year without those restrictions we can just get on with doing our business now as we're recording this and transmitting it live on wednesday night 
uh, sort of five o'clock on Wednesday evening. We don't know uh, how Boris Johnson's uh, term of office as the Prime Minister is going. We know that he's under a lot of criticism. We know there's a report coming out. We know lots of Tory MPs are submitting letters for a confidence vote. Um, so let's not comment on necessarily the party politics of it, but how would you feel if there was a change of leadership of Prime Minister from a business point of view? Well, let's start with you, Ashley. I think it's a difficult one because there's so much going on anyway. We could really do with not having the upheaval mm. of a change of that magnitude at the moment. But I understand people's way of thinking that it needs to go because, but it's a difficult one, I think, you yeah. know, to keep things moving onwards we've got to keep that I mean, level as we know from theresa may going and from david cameron going a prime minister going is de facto a change of government not all right uh, a party change of government but you still get sometimes subtle differences in policy the policy differences between theresa may and david cameron were quite pronounced mm. and on brexit for boris johnson very pronounced um, and I get the feeling that businesses are sick of change and they'd rather like a bit of stability and we, we've got a government with a, a majority and, and really we want to just see, see the parliament through and let people decide at the right time. What the, do you think? The biggest concern is it's not so much a change of leadership. Um, I can understand why we should probably do that. My concern is we, 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 Boris Johnson moves on, a new leader comes in, then there's a snap election mm. and then anything can happen and that's really why I don't want to go down the road of uh, my personal belief is he probably should move aside and someone else should take in because he's damaging the Conservative brand. But I really worry about an election coming up. We don't need that right now. We've, we've had enough. We just need some stability going forward. OK, we talked about a couple of things there in our studio. Let's go down the line. We've got David Moore from the British Constructional Steel Association. Uh, let's talk about the COVID thing first, because I suppose in, in your sector, you're somewhat immune from some of the restrictions because you can't work at home and produce steel. Uh, you're right, Graham. I mean, COVID has been quite different in the construction sector. I mean, apart from a, a few weeks at the start of the actual pandemic back in 2020, when construction sites were getting used to actually putting uh, risk assessments in place, the construction industry has been working as normal, if you like, actually through the whole of the actual pandemic. Uh, the same actually is true for steelwork contractors who actually fabricate and erect steel structures. They've been working largely as normal. As you said, you can't actually weld and cut and drill steel at home. Well, let's just move on then for you, David. I mentioned at the top of our uh, conversation, uh, the new data on inflation and the general economic position uh, in the Northeast, unemployment's ticked up. Uh, it hasn't gone up too much, but it's significant enough to be top of the regional league tables again, which is a bit exasperating. Yorkshire, the opposite, the lowest. All of this feeds into big industry, doesn't it, uh, David? Inflation first, 5.4%, I think it was. What, what do you see as uh, the inflationary trends in your industries? In, in talking to actually BCSA steel contractor members, they probably wouldn't recognise the actual 5.4% increase in inflation. If you look over the past year, uh, the prices of construction materials have actually gone up uh, quite rapidly. I mean, steel, concrete, timber, masonry have all increased enormously. Uh, steel itself has actually doubled in price uh, over eight months of last year. Uh, but in spite of that, so we do actually see the construction industry taking off. We've probably got an 18.6% increase. And particularly with steel, we actually see it taking, if you like, the lion's share of the construction of steel market for uh, uh, factories and for office buildings. So despite the actual large increase in material prices, clients are still confident for actually building in steelwork. 
Let's drill down because that inflationary price of steel obviously has an effect in the wider economy, particularly in the construction of buildings. We can talk about housing a little later, um, but construction generally is affected by it. What is the principal cause behind the price increase in steel? There are a number of causes, Graham. Uh, initially, back in the sort of early 2020s, when countries around the world were coming out of the pandemic, you've got countries like China uh, increasing the amount of steel they actually make and buying, if you like, quite a lot of the iron ore from places like Australia and Brazil. That means that the price of iron ore actually increased quite rapidly. And that actually put pressure on steel prices in the rest of the world. And then we see the prices of things like coke and coal. We used to actually make steel that was going up later in the year. And then now we have uh, price increases coming through from transport increases and from energy price increases. Clearly, industries which use lots of energy are going to actually sort of see pressure on price inflation uh, in the coming months. I was att attended a breakfast uh, meeting this morning. I mentioned earlier that. Um, this meeting looked at geopolitical issues and price pressures on the economy and uh, there were two interesting points. The first was that the Ukraine crisis has a uh, double whammy in the steel sector because uh, Ukraine uh, consumes energy and charges energy tariffs to put Russian grass through it and there's, there's an energy problem because of the uh, conflict potentially emerging there and also Ukrainian steel is in part of the Ukraine which is potentially contested in a in in, in any kind of conflict that may emerge uh, and Ukrainian steel is quite a large part of the sector and then the second point that was made was that when it comes to coking coal and other uh, fossil fuels Getting finance for projects to extract fossil fuels is increasingly difficult as green uh, pressure groups mount on investors, particularly in the City of London and Western democracies. I mean, you're right in terms of the uh, environmental and sustainability initiatives, Graham. I mean, the, in the UK, we've just launched our roadmap to net zero by 2050, uh, bringing together not just the steel makers, but the steel contractors, the fabricators, the designers, the actual stockholders, bring them all together to actually work together to actually create a net zero like roadmap towards 2050. And we hope that uh, many of the actual parts industry can get there sooner, but it does actually mean large amounts of investment in uh, different ways of actually sort of making green steel. And that investment's got to come from somewhere, where it comes from actually incentives from government or where it comes from investment in the industry. And that will clearly be passed on to the uh, the consumer at some point. Uh, so we might see inflationary pressures coming through there at some point, right? Okay, let's go up and down the panel. We'll return to you in a moment, uh, David. Uh, inflation, you're hearing what David's saying. This is real biting inflation, Martin. Yeah. You're in a general business sector, like yeah. me in PR. You're in yeah. consumer services with Lemon Business Solutions. Um, it affects us, doesn't it? What's yeah. happening in, in David's sector all filters through. Yeah. Costs are going up. <laughs> it's the only way of doing it. We're running a business like a household, uh, like Margaret Thatcher would have said, and all our costs are going up. The cost of everything we're buying, everything we're buying into the business, and in cost of employment, the NI is going up, obviously, in April. Everything's becoming more expensive, so we either have the option of putting our own prices up, which is obviously just exasperating the problem, or just taking a hit in our profit. And it's important not to be greedy, and we see plenty of bigger companies out there just saying, right, we're gonna, gonna put all our prices up and uh, without naming them, and it's just all for stockhold, uh, so shareholder greed. 
but we still have to survive and we want money to reinvest, especially in the region, put money back into our business, back into technology, back into to grow further, to strengthen it. And as we're being squeezed, it's just becoming harder and harder. You know, it's part of life. There's always going to be inflation. We've been lucky to have low inflation rates for, for quite a long time now. I think this is the biggest increase since about the early 90s, 92 yeah, or something similar. Yeah. So we're going to have to just accept it and take it on the chin. And I don't think we can sit here and mourn about it as business owners. But it doesn't mean it's not difficult, but we'll have to roll the punches. And you know what? We will. And we've we've also got a productivity issue in the country generally, don't mm-hmm. we? We, mm-hmm. we? And, you know, it, it's not just a private sector productivity issue. The work from home stuff can affect productivity mm-hmm. not always positively. Uh, local authorities uh, mm-hmm. with staff absences yeah. have productivity issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in my part of the world, in County Durham, uh, a relative of mine is buying a house and it has taken a very long time to get the searches back. So mm-hmm. there's a delay in that deal. How do you feel about that kind of impact on your market in housing? Yeah, it, it does have a huge impact because if the, if the average sale is taking possibly double what it was taking prior to COVID, then you know, you've got less sales coming through the pipeline, so you know, less money coming through. And so I think it, it, is, it is all about a balance, isn't it really? But we are finding it quite difficult with the, the process taking so long and the longer the process takes, the more chance there is of the sale falling through. Because yeah, our, you know, our ways of selling houses in England, well, you know, here, is that until it gets through to completion, you can pull out at any stage. Mm. So right up until that exchange of contract, a buyer or a seller can pull out, and there's quite a lot of money being spent on the process up until that point. So whereas we were getting sales through in about eight to 10 weeks, now it's definitely a good 16 weeks for a sale to get through. So. The cost of housing is a very big impact on inflation. We've just heard uh, David talking about the cost of construction, but actually buying a house, and of course cost of housing has gone up in several ways, hasn't it? it it's gone up uh, in terms of the cost of buying a house, it's gone up in the cost of borrowing the money to buy a house, yeah. uh, in, in, uh, in interest rates and so on. But is that having an impact on house prices yet? Are you seeing any stabilisation? Well, we it it did dip in November, so it had it had gone really bad, you know, really mad over the course of last year. But it did dip in November, which is the normal for our industry for Christmas, and so we're just starting to see how it's coming back, and it seems to be coming back just as strong. So the house prices look as if they're going to be staying quite high over the course of this year, by the look of it. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to David on this inflation issue. Uh, your members obviously have to transport their end product. Transport is a, is a uh, both a labour cost and a fuel cost, and I should imagine transport costs must be biting. Uh, transport costs have actually gone up uh, quite high. You're right, Graham. I mean, uh, my brother-in-law owns a transport uh, company, up 400 uh, trucks, and uh, I understand from talking to him that uh, he's increased the actual salary appears to uh, HGV drivers by 30% of the past year. That is so a that's, massive that's increase. an enormous increase. Yeah. And, 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 but there's an element of stabilisation there as well, isn't there? There's been a tiny little bit of change by the government on uh, allowing visas for HGV. Not that much, but is it stabilising in your view? I think it's in talking to my brother-in-law, it is stabilising, yes. We also see sort of wage expectations in uh, my industry has been very, very high. Uh, you know, people are expecting you know, quite high levels of uh, uh, wage inflation going forward. The demands might well be unrealistic. Martin, 
wages. I'm not going to ask you what you pay your wages, but uh, but it is likely that uh, smaller business owners, and you and I have a smaller business, mm -hmm. are going to face wage pressures. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, with the smaller business, it, the market rate is has to be tied to prices and affordability. Mm -hmm. um, so perhaps it is right to grit your teeth and say no sometimes. It is. I mean, I'm a champion of, of, of the real living wage anyway. So prior to, to the Rishi's announcement in the budget about putting the, the minimum wage up, you know, I, I was all for that in a way. And I think it's important as business owners, we're investing in our team and paying a good wage and, and giving them opportunities both inside and outside of work. But um, as we get inflation and we get the, everything starts to bite together, you can get a perfect storm. Mm. So it makes it does make it difficult. And then you have to think, you know, you, you've got to make difficult choices in a business which we don't want to be faced. So um, but pro productivity deals, I mean, David's uh, had a lot of experience in industry over his years and productivity deals don't seem to be, be discussed these days as much as they were, do they? Oh, sorry, Graham. Uh, no, you're right. Uh, I, I think Product productivity deals was a, an industry norm when unions and, and, and management got around the table and the, the union say we want the market rate. And the management say we can't afford the market rate, and in the end, a productivity deal was settled on, wasn't it? I mean, at the moment, it tends to be some individual companies sort of settling deals with their, their own individual sort of labour forces, and uh, in many cases, uh, some companies are actually sort of paying uh, a little bit extra in terms of wages in order to return their staff. Mm. They're concerned that they actually mm. might be uh, uh, go to other companies because of sort of high high wages. And where do you think about this, uh, Martin? You're in a white collar business, Dave's yeah. in a blue collar business. Is is a productivity deal the right approach? It can be. Just to touch on that point as well. It, we, as an employer, we have to be an attractive employer now. It, it's changed over the course of the pandemic, really. So wages and other sort of benefits that we provide are very, very important to attract and retain staff as well. I mean, productivity is critically important in my industry. It's about efficiency and we can mm. measure that. It's, it's, a, mm. it's a key metric of the efficiency of our staff and that's important because it makes our whole business commercial uh, viability at work. So yes, I, I do agree. Uh, productivity and, and efficiency are absolutely vitally important. One thing I would say though, the overall sort of figures that we're looking at uh, for the region sort of with the high unemployment, et cetera, et cetera, which whilst it is concerning when we think about leveling up and where we're trying to go, the whole levelling up agenda and investment, particularly in the northeast, in my mind, is a juggernaut. It's like trying to turn Titanic around. We're not going to see change overnight. I think we've taken, you know, we've set off our port now. We're in the right direction. I wouldn't want people to be get too get too worried about these immediate figures. There's a long way to go, and we don't want to have any jerk reactions to what's going on. Uh, we'll have a levelling up white paper coming out in the next few weeks, and uh, it's probable that the uh, Tees Valley in the northeast, and to a certain extent West Yorkshire and to a certain extent north of Tyne, will become models for the way the regions are governed. So you'll end up with a mayor for North Yorkshire and combined authorities. So the sort of Ben Houchen approach, mm. may not be the individual, may not be someone like Ben Houchen, uh, will be replicated. Now, you, you're selling houses in Tees Valley, and there is a real levelling up. You can, they fly off the shelf, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've seen a, a massive change in Darlington especially it's become its own little bubble, you know, mm -hmm. because of the Treasury coming and all the rest of the things that are going on. So it really has, you know, the the house prices in Darlington in particular have, have probably seen, you know, quite the biggest growth, really. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, that is just down to that fact, really. So, yeah. Well, we're going to round it up there. Thank you very much, David, for talking to us. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, by the way, next week, I've got Sir Michael Fallon, the former Defence Secretary, on just for a short interview, looking at the Ukrainian political situation, the prospect of uh, military conflict there, and how it affects things like our energy prices uh, and stability in Europe. And then we'll talk to people about that on next week's Business Unmuted. Join us then live five o'clock on uh, Wednesday, and then you can pick it up on podcasts and different platforms thereafter. Thank you very much. <laughs>